Price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cartoon cartoons. <laughs> that was the jingle of a generation. <laughs> Dateline 1994. No. Uh, hi, welcome to Wizard and the Bruiser. Uh, I am the Wizard Jake Young, and I'm the Bruiser Holden McNeely. And all you girls out there calling me the loser, I'll challenge you to a one-on-one street fight. It's, it's because you respond so much that they keep calling you that. <laughs> you know, and I think it's actually a complex. I'm pretty sure nobody's calling me that, but I'm just assuming they are. Mm. And, they're, and they're like sewing circles. I heard someone call you that. See? <laughs> Somebody's saying it. I know they're saying it. I can get I, I feel the psychic vibes. Uh, in the studio with us, a freshly shorn Marcus Park super producer. How you doing? Oh, yeah. I got a fancy boy haircut. <laughs> yeah. He went from swamp boy to businessman. And speaking of businessmen, uh, <laughs> we are... <laughs> Are going to go into the evolution, the the development, into the golden age that people call it of Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network. The 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 now it's like uh, you know it's interesting because nowadays we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I feel like these sorts of twenty four hour programming, um, just all of the all of the things that that would not exist today without Cartoon Network and um, how it was originally begun, you know? I mean, yeah. Well, doing research for this episode, because basically what I had seen on the internet was a lot of people talking about how Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon had lost its way somehow, that, like, there was this deviation from a, a better past, which I feel like is just now kids that grew up watching Ed, Ed, and Eddie are getting old enough to be like, cartoons now are bad. Which <laughs> <laughs> is what happens when anyone, like, grows up, but I wanted to think about that, because the Cartoon Cartoons, the Cartoon Network original lineups, uh, which shows, like, Dexter Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls, mm-hmm. Johnny Bravo, mm-hmm. uh, Curse the Cowardly Dog, yes. Cow and Chicken. I am Weasel. Oh, yeah. I hated I am Weasel and Cow and Chicken, by the way. I <laughs> yeah. fucking hated those shows. I didn't really, they kind of passed me by. I was definitely much more um, acquainted with Powerpuff Girls mm-hmm. and um, Johnny Bravo and the like, and, and Samurai yeah. Jack, which would come later. Oh my God, Samurai Jack. Because uh, there's a genuine legacy of quality animation, and it turns out that's because of a very... Uh, decisive philosophy in regards to what it means to produce entertainment for children. Um, uh, Doing research for this, I I kind of came to the conclusion that to tell the story of Cartoon Network, you almost have to tell the story of television itself. Right. 
Right, Jake. Because honestly, television before Cartoon Network and, and certain things like CNN before that mm-hmm. was a very different territory, a very different realm, one might say, if one was playing sort of Mortal Kombat or something and entered a sort of different realm. The, Rabbit the, ears, UHF, VHF, all these all these weird uh, uh, antenna-based staticky bullshit channels. And I had one. I had the one where it had every channel was a different button on the top of my TV. <laughs> I had an old-ass TV for a while until I was given a PlayStation console and a TV VCR for Christmas one year, and I was so happy because I could finally, you know, masturbate to VHS tapes and and play uh, Final Fantasy VII. At the same time. At the same You would hold the VHS box and fight Sephiroth (laughs) and just wank it till you come. So Cartoon Network had to exist because Ted Turner literally owned every cartoon ever made that he, wasn't made by Disney. He just needed to do something with them. He, uh, he just had all this loot, you know? He, uh, Yeah, he what, he acquired um, M- M- MGM? Uh, so, yeah, with me? Uh, Ted Turner, uh, you probably know him from, like, the uh, uh, from the uh, Robot Chicken Captain Planet memes or, uh, like, uh, Will Forte's impression. Uh, you know, he's just this, like, crazy southern business guy with a mustache. But the fact is, is that he revolutionized television because he fully embraced cable by putting out as much content as possible. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, I believe the first big gamble, and everybody thought this was an insane move, was CNN. Yeah, he did a few big gambles. He did uh, CNN, which was a 24-hour news network. Everyone that, said that'll never work. There's yeah. no way any anyone would ever want a 24-hour news network. One Iraq war later, cha-ching! Ba-boom! <laughs> Banking on them wars. Secretly causing those wars, <laughs> some might say. Um, he also uh, put up his local Atlanta television network, TBS, uh, used a loophole within the satellite cable distribution system to just blast it out across the country, even though it was a local station. And um, he also had Turner Classic Movies. And uh, and um, in addition to that, he bought the Atlanta Braves. He bought the WCW. He started the Goodwill Games solely because all of the things I'm describing are just hours of content. Yes, just constant, constant stre- uh, 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 streaming content, one would say. One would say he kind of saw the future of where entertainment was headed in general now with like YouTube and things like that. His family Netflix. made a fortune in billboard advertising, roadside billboard advertising, and saw television, especially cable television, as just a billboard that was in everybody's house. And as long as he just p- pumped out stuff that he could sell ads on, he would be making money. So... Old movies, old sitcoms, old uh, uh, sporting events, everything that he could get his hands on, he would then put on his networks. And that library of content eventually peaked when he when he uh, made a move for uh, MGM United Artists, which is this storied, you know, Metro Golden Mayer movie studio. Yes. Cr- At the time, MGM uh, had made 35% of all movies ever made. My God, man. That's huge. That's humongous. <laughs> and in that circle of, you know, he was thinking just movies and old TV shows yeah. that he could put on his networks. But in that wave of, of this billion-dollar deal, which— Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. Merry Melodies, Popeye cartoons. Um, the just... original Fleischer—yeah, the Fleischer Brothers Studios, like the old uh, Superman cartoon. Yeah. And in Boop. Yep, Betty Boop, an intense amount of old-timey cartoons. Not to mention the entire library of Hanna-Barbera. All of it. Which is, you know, everything from Yogi Bear to Scooby-Doo to the Smurfs. The Herculoids. And the Herculoids. Yes, and Thundar the Barbarian. (laughs) 
what did what is Thundar? In the, the far off year of 1997, <laughs> no. Thundar the Barbarian. No. Um, that so, is terrifying, Thundar the Barbarian. I hope we don't get visited by Thundar later in the episode. <laughs> in this, so in this orgy of content buying, which, by the way, back in the day before digital uh, filmmaking. Just having anything that both had sound and motion and visuals was a pain in the ass to make. Yes. He, uh, Ted Turner owned, the Turner Broadcasting Company owned 85,000 hours of animation. It's just a consequence of all these mergers. So naturally, like, he had to do something with it. And so we launched the Cartoon Network in 1992. Yes. And what uh, the Cartoon Network was was just old Augie Doggy reruns and, like, Merry Melodies. And they would have, like, late night black and white cartoons just in case you wanted, like, racism happening. God, I love Cartoon Network during those years. (laughs) They played this. Not because of the black and white racism. (laughs) Good save. They launched it by playing the Star Spangled Banner, uh, which was a tradition whenever a new Turner owned network launched, and a video of a person placing a a dynamite and fleeing when the dynamite blew up. Uh, and the channel's launch then occurred later, or, or that that day. Uh, the launch was hosted by the MGM cartoon character and my personal favorite, a Tex Avery hit, Droopy. Yeah. And a special event called Droopy's Guide to the Cartoon Network, during which the first cartoon on the network, The Great Piggy Bank Robbery, a classic ass mm-hmm. Daffy Duck tune in which Duck uh, Daffy Duck dreams of being uh, the detective Dick Tracy, and then he uh, gets knocked out by punching his own head in the himself in the face uh, and then he wakes up and he's duck twicey and uh, he ends up solving some crimes now what if I told you that droopy dog and Dick Tracy spoofs did not motivate the kids to come over to Cartoon Network during the go-go night interesting interesting yeah yeah what you know- if I told you that speed buggy the scooby-doo with a talking car <laughs> was not the engine of media success I loved it t- so much <laughs> but it's only for like Hunter S. Thompson types that are in a, a soiled hotel in Vegas. It's that thing that's on in the background. Ted Turner <laughs> chomping into a cigar in the middle of his stronghold in Atlanta being like, God dang it, no kid gonna watch Jabberjaw. They gonna like it. <laughs> and if only we had forced the children to do so, we'd have a different America today. Ted Turner donated a billion dollars to the uh, United Nations as well as uh, single-handedly responsible for saving the American bison population. He's a very nice man, very misunderstood man, and you know, uh, just please give me money. You have so much. <laughs> just give me some. Um, so while this was happening, while Cartoon Network was launching and getting off the ground, the true king of children's basic cable was Nickelodeon. Yes, Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Was crushing it. Because at that point, did they have, had Ren and Stimpy been on air yet at that point? They um, had, uh, they were beginning the Nicktoons lineup Nicktoons with originals, right? uh, the interstitials, the branding, the, you know, the contests, even just the idea that Nickelodeon build itself as like, this is the only network for you, children. Like, <laughs> that worked. And it was a mirror of the MTV, this is the network for you, teens. 
I want my MTV branding that was revolutionized by a man named Fred Siebert. Yes, I was looking for the name myself. Yes, Fred Siebert now, um, is like my new god. I yes. had no idea that this guy had created like the MTV logos no. in the original MTV. Like he's the one who signed off on all that stuff. He's the one that br- that made that the, he, he started what what we now conceive of as the golden years of MTV, like the original MTV. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, with the astronaut and shit. MTV. And Nickelodeon. And Nickelodeon. In addition to that, Nicktoons. He, he also uh, did branding for VH1 and Comedy Central. So if you had cable in the 90s, Fred Siebert's personal aesthetic is your mindscape. Yeah, it essentially. It is the background baseline of everything you experienced pop culture. Those are all the shows, or channels rather, that I was watching mm-hmm. all day on those summers at home. I mean, it was incredible. And yeah, the, and, and you think about the branding uh, influence that he had, and it's amazing. Like, like he really spoke my language back mm-hmm. then in a way that I never even thought about, you know? It was just naturally assumed because now I'll like watch MTV or something like that, and I'm just like, ew, you know, just even the way they package it, right? Right. Um, but they just had such a cool, raw, awesome aesthetic back then. It's just simple touches you don't even think about. Correct. Um, psychologically, visually, everything he brought to the table uh, made things more dynamic, more immediate, and uh, it definitely contrasts from the old style of show business of television. MTV and Nickelodeon weren't. Um, stayed like uh, responsible broadcasters they were statements they were lifestyles they were this this kind of new kind of segment of entertainment that uh, I honestly don't think without the branding and the creative direction that Fred Seabird offered uh, I don't think it, they would have been as anywhere near as masterful in fact um, when Fred Seabird uh, succeeded at MTV he wanted to quit, he did quit, started his own ad agency, was immediately hired back by MTV Networks to revamp Nickelodeon, which was um, failing, absolutely failing. Like, the juggernaut you know as Nickelodeon was an abject just pile of shit. Yeah. Uh, if you look back on YouTube, you can find like old Nickelodeon promos, like first Nickelodeon promos. It looks like PBS's used cum rag. It uh. is boring. It is shitty. <laughs> um, apologies to my friends and family members that just heard me make that analogy. <laughs> I get very excited when talking about the art form of animation. <laughs> Um, and Fred Siebert. I, can it- I apologize to my friends and family? <laughs> I just want to say all the things I've ever said. I'm just sorry, guys. Back um, to you, Jake. So he turned Nickelodeon around. He, uh, you know, made all the new uh, logos and interstitials and worked with animators and got the original Nicktoons programming off the ground. And Nickelodeon stayed at number one on cable for 25 years. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, it had it there you know, I mean, he, you know, he was he was the guy that that gave us um the, Ren and Stimpy in a, in Ren a, in and a, Stimpy, st- Rugrats, Doug, like I'm sorry, I keep bringing up Ren and Stimpy because I'm I, we have to do an episode on Ren and Stimpy at some point because <laughs> I like that's like that show defined me in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but um yeah, Doug, I mean, that was like the most amazing block of animation at that time mm-hmm. on Nick on that Nickelodeon Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy. You could beat it i was constantly just wanting to tune into that and just just be there for those episodes of show 
Uh, a big part of it was that they had an increased budget. They relied on kind of more artisanal animation studios that didn't cut as many corners. Um, if you watch an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon, you'll see what's known as limited animation, where it's just, you know, a talking head against a still background. And uh, with an emphasis on high turnover, especially at the time, also car- kids' cartoons were basically just toy commercials. Mm. Everything from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to He-Man had an explicit purpose to sell more than entertain. They were a product, and uh, the Nicktoons really set themselves apart by trying yeah. to be more creator-focused. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I didn't have any... There were no, like, Doug, you know, uh, water boat. Machine Ren and Stimpy really went hardcore into merchandise. They got they got pretty yeah. in there. I guess yeah. I've talked about this before, but my Ren and Stimpy blowing chunks T-shirt mm-hmm. is my favorite thing I had as a child, and I definitely had a Stimpy as well. I, I had a farting Stimpy that when you squeezed him, uh, his tongue would fart. I was taken away from you. I no, s- that was taken away from Ben. Ah. Mine, I still own mine. It is a cherished uh, tr- artifact. Of Little my Easter egg for the round table of gentlemen <laughs> listeners. There. I spent a wonderful summer. Uh, Playing the Ren and Stimpy Game Gear game, yes, and it was terrible. Yes, <laughs> they were all so bad. I had one borderline I had one too. unplayable. Yeah. yeah, I have a Super Nintendo one. It was horrific. Mm. Oh man, we need to do an episode also on really bad licensed children oh. cartoon games. Oh. Part one, just the Simpsons console <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, just the Attack of the Mutants or whatever it was. Uh, the Sneak alien preview, one. audience. Bart's nightmare is about to become yeah. your nightmare. Bart's nightmare. That's <laughs> the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Bart versus the spirit. Bart versus the world. Oh, Bart vs. the World was shit. Uh, was it Krusty's Cookie Caper? <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, dude. And then yeah. At least they did redeem themselves with the GTA knockoff. Game yeah, hit and run. Hit and run was good. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, under Fred Siebert's guidance, Nickelodeon was kicking ass, including kicking Cartoon Network's ass. Um, and uh, here's the thing, though. You can only rise to the top for so long. You can only be a media mogul in New York City and just begin to start hating yourself, beginning mm. to resent the suits that are always messing with your process. Maybe you do mounds of cocaine. I'm not making judgments, but... He may or may not have done a lot of cocaine. He was a marketing executive in New York City in the early 90s. He probably did a fair <laughs> amount of cocaine. He probably did an American Psycho's amount of cocaine. Or just drank. Who knows? Or um, just drank. But uh, <laughs> he fell into a depression. Um, his huh. wife divorced him. Oh, my God. And uh, he... Uh, quit his job and dissolved not just quitting MTV Networks, but dissolved his ad agency, which he had started with his lifelong friend uh, and eventual brother-in-law. And he genuinely resigned himself to just live in the woods, crying to his beer, and figure out what the fuck the rest of his life is going to be. Huh. That same day that he quit... And went to the woods? <laughs> he didn't move to the woods yet. Okay. <laughs> um, he got a phone call from a friend of his who was a muckety-muck at Turner Broadcasting and said, hey... You did such a great job with Nickelodeon. I was wondering if you'd like to be the president of Hanna Barbera. Huh? Now, where, where where was Hanna Barbera at at that time? We'll get we'll get there. Okay, that's that's a big question I'm having before this explosion. One might yeah. describe it as. Um, and uh, according to an interview that I watched uh, with Fred, uh, he said that he was wasn't really excited about the prospect, but he looked down at his watch nervously because his friend was like, you know, offering him a job and he was about to turn him down. And he looked down at his watch, and he was wearing a Flintstones watch. Oh. And that's when he thought that maybe there's something to the brand that can be redeemed if it had such an impact on him. And so he took the job and said, I'll move to uh, Hollywood in 90 days. All right. Wow. Cool. 
Now, Hanna Barbera. <laughs> yeah, Hanna Barbera. Where, what are we talking about here? This is you Will know... Hanna, Joseph Barbera, famous for creating the first uh, Tom and Jerry cartoon. Ah. Uh, starting the animation empire when uh, they they figured out a way, along with uh, Jay Ward, I think, from Rocky and Bullwinkle, to adapt the popular form of anim of uh, of cartoons for television. Because uh, previously, you would just have you were just stuck with Looney Tunes and Disney reruns. Uh, from the theatrical shorts, which were, you know, frame-by-frame frame animated, fully orchestrated. Wouldn't have The Simpsons if it weren't for Hanna-Barbera and The Flintstones, mm -hmm. uh, which was shockingly actually made for adults back in the day. I mm -hmm. still can't believe that. What are the other properties here that we're talking about for Hanna-Barbera? That's Yogi Bear, right? Oh, every, oh, every bear, right. every Snagglepuss, the Hair Bear Bunch. The Hair Bear Bunch. Yeah, 1971. <laughs> Help, it's the Hair Bear Bunch. No. It, was a it was a bunch of hip. I used to watch I, it. It was on all the ones oh, was it know? on Cartoon Network on reruns with all the other dregs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I loved Cartoon what about Network before all the Powerpuff Girls bullshit came on. Right. Oh, it was okay. awesome before that because it was the no. hair bear, but it was just three no. wacky hippie bears trying to escape from a zoo. All right, I'm going to tell you. like the Nixon administration. Marcus, we're going to do a little exercise now that you decide to get all sassy with me. Uh, I want you to bring up the Hanna-Barbera Productions uh, Wikipedia page. Okay. And uh, I want you to uh, go uh, down the filmography to, or down the television series uh, set. And uh, now here's the thing. Uh, when Fred Siebert took the job at Hanna-Barbera in 1996? No, 1990. It's just mm. before that, right? It yeah. was more like... Um... I wanted, maybe it was 94. Hmm. Um, I'll, double ch I'll double check it. Um, but... Uh, he uh, Hanna Barbera at that time had not produced a television series that ran for more than a single season since 1981 with the Smurfs. My God! So if you go after 1981, let's look at the dazzling, wonderful works of Hanna Barbera before Fred Sieber took Hit over. Hit me, Marcus. Wait, now, when did Fred Sieber take over? It'll, two Stupid Dogs. Two Stupid Dogs was his first like original thing. So we're going from 1981 to 1997. Sure. All right. So let's go. I'll just go ahead and read 1993. All right. So 1981 to 1993. That okay. was when Two Stupid Dogs started. That makes more sense, 93, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Berenstain Bears mm -hmm. from 1985 to 1987. Beloved children's book. Not a very popular TV show. Uh, the Biscuits. Of course, oh, the, the Biscuits. biscuits. <laughs> well, they're talking biscuits, and we love to tell a lie. We're all about that dough, don't you know? Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Grew up out of nothing, had to murder to make it to the top. We're the talking biscuits. Uh, Go on, Marcus. Foofer. Of course, oh, yes. Foofer. That ran Classic. for two seasons. That ran for two seasons. <laughs> Foofer. <Okay>. Foofer. <laughs> he has a mysterious and forbidden past. <laughs> uh, the second Herculoids run. From 1981 to 1982. What is Herculoids? Uh, you don't know the Herculoids. You know Sandor, Tara, Dorno, Zok, Igu, and Tundro, no. and then Gloop and Gleep? Gloop and you Gleep. Everybody's Gloop and Gleep. Gloop. All right. No. Stop it. The people at home can't see what you're doing, but they can hear it. And I see it, and it's terrifying looking. <laughs> Gloop and Gleep were two anthropomorphic blobs that would make that noise. And the Herculoids were like space barbarians. With with weird space dinosaurs that they commanded. Yeah. And How does that not sound awesome to you? He-Man. 
Before He-Man. Oh, okay. Like 20 years before He-Man. Herculoids is like 67 to 69. Mm-hmm. He-Man is nothing but a Herculoids ripoff. What? Herculoids is nothing but a Hercules ripoff. <laughs> and they, at least He-Man changed the name. <laughs> It would all boil down to at the end of every episode, all the Herculoid aliens would just shoot all their shit at the same thing at the same time, and they'd win. Yeah, that happens. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had a Pac-Man cartoon for mm. two years. It was bad. From 82. <laughs> Yikes. Must have been. Yeah. Pac- if I remember it correctly, in reruns, it was literally just Ms. Pac-Man nagging <laughs> a bedraggled husband. Pac-Man! Yeah. Why do I drink just to stay with her? Why can't I just call it a year and just say goodbye to these years I've had here in this in this forbidden home? Pound puppies. Hey, toy yeah. commercial. That was 85, 86, 87. You know, I, I that I did love pound puppies. I, I will agree with you that uh, it was a uh, yeah, that was definitely yeah, a toy. I commercial. had one. Yeah, of course. I mean, Scooby Doo was going on in those years. Scooby. Yeah, but that was everyone in this room has to acknowledge that Scooby Doo was not funny. No, no, no. I'll never acknowledge. Well, it wasn't about being funny. It was about being spooky. I mean, no, it wasn't funny. Of course, it wasn't funny. It was about yeah. Then why were they had all that canned laughter every fucking time any character said anything? (laughs) It's true. It was not funny. But I mean, I would also say like the Flintstones wasn't funny. You know, at the same time. I mean, these are ancient old cartoons, and Mm. at the same. But I will say double whammy on this. We're we're forgetting about a little guy named Scrappy Doo, and I I I must believe that this is during the Scrappy Doo years. This is. Der- I the 13 Der- ghosts Der- of Scooby-Doo years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Snorks? What? Snorks. Oh, Snorks. Yeah. Like, oh, I love the Snorks. <laughs> you, nobody loves the I sn- loved the Snorks. I refuse. Love. The word that you say to your parents and yes. your girlfriend. I you love, love you, Snorks. <laughs> I was a Snork guy. I would go around. Everybody was like a cool snur- Smurf person. And I was in the corner. I was like, nah, man, under the sea. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's All-Star Seaworthy, Casey Kelp, Wellington Wetworth Jr. <laughs> Wellington That's Wetworth bad to Jr. Say. I bet. That's what I call my lady when she's <laughs> a Tudor Shelby. You're way too satisfied with that abandoned bit. Yeah. Tudor Shelby. Yeah. Tudor Shelby, yeah. Corky and Aki. And then, the, and then the minor snorks. Mm. That is actually a Wikipedia entry of minor <laughs> snorks. I, if I ever start a punk band in my advanced age, I would call them the minor snorks. <laughs> I just want to see a photo of the guy that wrote this page. Yeah, and that's where Willie, <laughs> and that's where Willie Wetworth is. I <laughs> uh, didn't include the minor snorks. So I'll just get in here and edit this page. The minor snorks Wikipedia page is actually cursed. And anytime anyone makes an edit, they die in 30 days. <laughs> and then of course, after minor snorks, they're supporting snorks. Of course. What do we got there? Uh, that, <laughs> that small star seaworthy Beef Mr. Kelly. This is my goddamn podcast, and we are not going to waste precious minutes of human life going into supporting, supporting snorks. Miss <laughs> Wetworth, Grandpa Wetworth. Grandpa Wetworth, he was a huge part of the show. He's what taught them how to forgive. Yeah. And, then there's, <laughs> and then there's the villains like Big Weed. No! <laughs> Big Weed was really awesome, actually. He's the one who, he was my gateway to If you uh, know drug someone use. in your life named Big Weed, he is not the bad guy. I guarantee it. <laughs> Big Weed! 
Um, okay, yeah. what other show? Well, let's all right. And that's and that's uh, that's that's mm-hmm. it yeah. for the 1981 to 1993. So uh, Facebook page flood flood the uh, mm-hmm. flood the wall with your favorite supporting <laughs> stork photos. <laughs> oh, it's gonna happen, yeah. and I hate it. Yeah, but I'll fucking do. I will kill anyone who talks shit about Secret Squirrel. What is that? Secret, yeah, man. Secret with Monty Mole. <laughs> I was watching, you know, Transformers. And, and not Monty Mole, Morocco Mole. Morocco Mole, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Yeah, and Squidly Diddly. <laughs> <laughs> Squidly Diddly sounds like a child molester. That's what Squidly Diddly sounds like. So I don't know what kind of cartoons you're watching, Marcus. Yeah, I mean, it's just Hanna-Barbera was so great in the 60s. Sitting and there with your pet snake watching these fucking th- I can just see it right now in your weird Texas home. The point is they weren't they had fallen from that dizzying high of Squidly Diddly and uh, when uh, Fred came in it was his job to turn it around which uh, was more challenging than he thought and what he did that was um, kind of interesting is he personally kind of overshadowed the existing old Hollywood production guys, the old execs, the media guys, including Will Hanna and Joseph Barbera, who would go to the animators and be like, no, nah, no, nah, give them a catchphrase, like, ha-cha-choo-cha, holla diddle ya. <laughs> Kids love it when you give them a catchphrase. Like, it was just this very old mindset that wasn't going to succeed in the uh, current environment. And uh, what Fred Siebert did is he just started talking to the animators, the actual creatives who were, you know, who cared deeply about animation, who cared about cartoons. And uh, now at this time, had Ted Turner bought uh, Hanna-Barbera for $320 million yet? Yes. Okay. So it's this, because Turner Broadcasting wanted to turn them around. That Siegel mm-hmm. ended up getting the call in the first place. Great. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, yes, he, he decided to include the animators in, in the discussion. Right. These young animators. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh out of school, uh, coming from all walks of life. Um, and uh, he pitched Ted Turner on a very, um, like, honestly, a revolutionary idea for the first Cartoon Network original series. And that wasn't like a new property, a new sitcom, a new adventure show. He pitched them the What a Cartoon Show. What a Cartoon. And uh, that was a showcase for original shorts. Uh, in the style of Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes, where it was individually creator-focused um, among... Uh, uh, and and he was open to submissions mm-hmm. from all over the place. So they got in, uh, I think they had to fill 48 slots, something like that, uh, for the first they season. They received thousands of submissions. 5,000 mm-hmm. submissions, and they went through all of them. And, and what was so interesting, on Siegel's standpoint, he said, you know, we're doing Siebert. something... Siebert, my bad. We're doing something different here. Uh, we're, we're, I'm looking at I'm looking at submissions from 70 year old men. I'm looking at submissions from 20 year olds. I'm looking at submissions from people in Portugal. I'm looking for submissions Jesus, from people Ra- in Russia. Ralph Baxky. Yeah, Ralph ba- oh, um, Baxky. Yeah, Ralph Baxky. Among, did a, did a, submitted a couple. <laughs> among the that's uh, the guy that did all the art for Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, awesome. No, no, wait. I thought that was that's Stedman. R- Stedman. Oh, Stedman did the no. Art. Ralph Baxky did all those fucked up adult cartoons from the 80s. Yeah, like, Fritz, Fritz the, the Cat. And, oh, yeah. Uh, cool World. He went on to, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did do Cool, cool World, World and yeah. stuff. He revitalized that guy's career, uh, what a cartoon did. Uh, among the uh, more famous names that you might uh, know is uh, Butch Hartman, who ended up making the Fairly Odd Parents and had a bunch of hit cartoons that are still on the air. And uh, Seth MacFarlane actually got a short yes. 
produced uh, called Larry and Steve that if you uh, find footage of it is basically just this weird amalgus prototype of Family Guy. It's a guy in a white shirt and talking pants who talks like this. Yeah. Uh, and a sarcastic dog assistant that helps him through. In fact, a few of the jokes from Larry and Steve made their way onto season one of Family Guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, because he was actually working at Hanna-Barbera at that time. So Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what ended up happening is that the uh, most popular shows on on the What a Cartoon show ended up being a lot of uh, shorts that were made in-house at Hanna-Barbera. Whether that's a conspiracy or not, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the point is, is that it got to put a variety of voices and styles in front of this very young audience, and they got to see in real time which got a big response. Just test it out. Just yeah. do the test in front, you know. And I mean, there were other things, you know, other stuff happening at the time. I, but also, he had, uh, uh, you know, uh, St- the Stimpy creator. What's his name? What's his last? Uh, How do you John Crick Faluski? Crick Faluski. It's a, such a. It's a interesting last name. Mm-hmm. He had help from him to curate this. <laughs> Yes. And, to, and to help choose choose these things, too. So you definitely had, like, not only did you have this sort of we're going to test things out experiment, but you also had people behind it that were kind of on the edge themselves, kind mm-hmm. of doing interesting experimental animation as well. So they had an eye for that. So they were actually, like, letting interesting projects mm-hmm. go through the pipeline as opposed to it all just being some sort of cookie-cuttery kind of stuff, you know? Absolutely. Um it's it, it it was kind of like I remember being uh, younger and being very excited every time there was a what a cartoon joke because it had that same um, energy as like liquid, liquid television. Television, yeah, yeah. It was a film festival almost for kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we will also end up doing probably an episode on liquid television. And uh, all that it stuff. will just me being like, Eon Flux made my pee pee feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes the girls looked like boys, but I still thought they were pretty. <laughs> <laughs> the world needs that episode from Jake. I will not be here for that one. I will be on vacation for that one, but we will get that episode can we in get the hold can. It on Skype. I feel scared. <laughs> I want to get a little implant in my tooth so a girl can stick her tongue into my mouth and open up the tooth and take the thing that's in my tooth out. I liked the head. (laughs) I liked the head. Yeah. Um, the head was great. Head was awesome, yeah. and the co- and the uh, full animation series of the head, like the full season of the head, was really good Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Oh, and the Max. Okay. Anyways, though, let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> well, mm, there's a weird Max connection. Yes, there is a weird Max connection, okay. Jake. I know about the weird Max connection. <laughs> so, of the shows that were of the shorts that were featured on the What a Cartoon show, uh, they would end up being repackaged and resubmitted. Uh, uh, there were further seasons of uh, animation tests. Uh, they even th- actually literally had a vote mm-hmm. for the first uh, show that would get its own series. And uh, what Dex- was the winner? Dexter's Laboratory would win that vote. In Dexter's Laboratory, <laughs> it's the smartest boy you've it, ever seen. It became the first uh, spinoff show to get its own series from What a Cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, created by uh, Gindy. I say Gindy. Tartakovsky. Uh, Tartakovsky, Russian animator, um, who would later also create Samurai Jack and Star Wars Clone Wars, which I've always been meaning to watch because I heard it's great. Uh, It premiered on April 28th, 1996, and it helped launch the careers of a bunch of animators. Seth MacFarlane, of course, we talked about. uh, He worked on the show. Butch Hartman, who would go on to make Fairly Odd Parents. Rob Renzetti, who would go on to make My Life as a Teenage Robot. And, of course, Craig McCracken, creator of Powerpuff Girls, which would be, I think, the next one. Now, these guys were old... 
guys were workhorses in the American animation industry at the time. Uh, McCracken and Tartakovsky actually uh, moved to Spain to work on Batman the Animated Series, and there they learned a lot. Uh, oddly enough, this is a weird bit of trivia I learned. Did you know that uh, Dee Dee was actually created first? Ah. Dee Dee was created first as an animation test to have a, a character bounding between the foreground and background when he was studying at CalArts ah. and invented uh, Dexter to be a more square, stout antagonist foil for her. Huh. And uh, he based uh, uh, Dexter's stubborn, kind of uh, very meticulous nature on his own brother, Alex Tartakovsky, who currently works in uh, computer consulting to this day huh. in Chicago. Tartakovsky also had, uh, like all great creative people, a brutal childhood. That let's not get into it. <laughs> <laughs> he was hurt. Yeah, he was. He was. I'm just assuming. I didn't read about it, but I'm, I'm guessing he was emotionally or physically abused. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> Just so much death, you yeah, know? Anyway. Uh, he was given a horse. It died the next day. That was his 10th birthday. Which is, uh, in <laughs> contrast to his uh, friend and co-worker and co-creator, uh, Craig, uh, Craig McCracken. Yes. Who created the Powerpuff Girls originally. As a uh, as his student film at CalArts. It was called Whoop-Ass Stew. Sugar, um, spice, everything nice, and a secret ingredient was added to the concoction. Whoop-Ass Stew. There you go. A can of whoop-ass. I'm sorry, I miss it. Uh, if you actually watch the original Whoop-Ass Stew short, weird Easter egg, uh, Professor Utonium's design is very different. He's actually shaped and dressed in a very similar fashion to uh, Dexter. From uh, from Dexter's laboratory, and uh, he and McCracken thanks Gendy, Gendy Tartakovsky in the uh, in the credits of the original Whoop Ass Stew short. He also made a series of humorous uh, animated shorts called No Neck Joe that I watched that were like oddly compelling. Yeah. Uh, but Whoop Ass Stew and No Neck Joe made their rounds in the Spike and Mike's Animation Festival, which was this touring alt uh, animation film series that you great. Know, yeah, that launched so many careers. Mm. Um, There's a couple of DVDs out there, Spike and Mike, that are really fantastic. I mean, animation shows definitely the best mm. out of all those, but mm. yeah, Spike and Mike's pretty cool too. Um, and uh, he later went on to make uh, Foster's Home for Imaginary Children, Wander Over Yonder, and uh, he's married to Lauren Faust, who uh, created uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, which, funny story, I'm Boom. scared to watch. Yeah, <laughs> I. Uh, so my girlfriend and I drunkenly threw it on a couple weeks ago and watched an episode, and we were like, cool. And now it's always on our Netflix queue. So uh, <laughs> that's fun, because I feel weird and bad about watch that. Watch me. Watch me, Holden. <laughs> it's a very positive show. Their, their faces are very expressive. <laughs> we don't need to get into it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Some say that expressiveness is why the autistic why, love it yes, so much. Yes, why they would like it so so much. We, we it's a it. smash sensation on the spectrum community. <laughs> it actually is. That is one reason why people oh. say that's why it's so popular among the autistic is because the extremely expressive faces make it easier for them to read. Oh, yes. I've been on the convention circuit. I understand My Little Pony's appeal. <laughs> um... I uh, oh uh, another sh another two shows picked up was the I am Weasel Cow and Chicken combo which uh, which Jake hates I fucking hated the uh, <laughs> art style is incredibly ugly and the humor is just like just grating to me created by the fantastic David Feist I will say I, I will say Dave Feist is an amazing figure within the history of American animation yeah before that he worked on the revival of the Jetsons he co-animated the Ren and Stimpy pilot mm -hmm. and was an animation director for the first season of Ren and Stimpy his cousin also was Sam Keith who wrote the Max no shit <laughs> crazy shit huh? was that that was the Max 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. He about, contributed right? some artwork to uh, a single issue where the Max has like a weird freak out to Cartoon Land. Yep. Uh, he also uh, did did animation work on the original heavy metal film. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And uh, I can't find for sure, but he lists in his uh, in his in his in his resume that he did work on the Tracy Ullman show, huh. which I can't tell if that just means like the logos and like the title sequence, or if he actually had a hand in the original Simpsons runs. If we want to go back. Guys, we're building lore. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, some say that Tracy Ullman didn't actually play all those characters, so he may have stood in for one of the mm. characters. Mm. Um, <laughs> another I'm starting inter- rumors. <laughs> I'm just starting bad fake rumors right uh, now. Another interesting guy from the original Cartoon Cartoons lineup is Van Partible, who uh, was the creator of Johnny, Johnny Bravo. Bravo. Now, do you know the cool thing about Van Partible? Uh, that he based Johnny Bravo on a senior thesis project from Loyola Marymount University. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, he is a Philip. Actually, no, that is actually a really interesting thing. No, um, it's not. No, no, no. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I purposely his said full it name is Ephraim Giovanni Bravo Partable. Whoa. Giovanni Bravo. Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo. And if you see old footage of him, he's like this, this, like, he's very slick. He's like, he's like, uh, he definitely, he has just a very suave Filipino-ness about him. That mm. sounded awful. <laughs> um, but uh, he's, uh, the, the original, uh, the original animation that he made at Loyola, what was it? Uh, Loyola Marymount mm-hmm. University. Uh, which has in a very uh, famous film program that he was, you know, he wanted to be in L.A. He wanted to make films. And uh, he made the original Johnny Bravo student film called Mesa Blues about a lonely Elvis impersonator down on his luck trying to find love. He made it while on a five-day silent retreat, which is a huh. famous program the uh, famous program the university does. So he was just like in solitude, unable to speak, and made this thing. Um, he ended up working for Hanna-Barbera solely because his animation professor handed the film to an executive at Hanna-Barbera, claiming that despite the fact that he doesn't really have a uh, classical training in animation, he, he was talented enough to, to be worthy of hire. So he was there at the time when they were taking the pitches for What a Cartoon, and he ended up building an empire. And uh, if you look at old Johnny Bravo episodes, it is weird. It is super weird. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog, a horror comedy created by John R. Dilworth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really like – so Courage the Cowardly Dog and then also uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't – and Mike, Lou, and Og. That one, that was the ba- that was the stepchild yeah, of the uh, – because uh, I didn't know anything about that. I at least, you know, kind of knew of Courage the Cowardly Dog and Ed, Ed, and Eddie. It was a little sort of – before or after my time a little bit. Mike Lewin Og is to cartoon cartoons as the brother's flub is to Nicktoons. <laughs> Just some forgotten, like the first whoops. <laughs> so, Curse, it is uh, worth mentioning that John R. Dilworth did work on Doug, which mm-hmm. was, which so he was kind of a crossover from that. And Ed, Ed and Eddie, I don't believe were actually part of the... Um, the variety show, right? That was kind of something that came later from the um, from the Hanna Barbera studio. I would consider Ed and Eddie more of a second wave car- uh, Cartoon Network cartoon, right? But- it, he, yeah, but it kind of came at the tail end. It was sort of the last mm-hmm. thing to be added to Cartoon Cartoon um, 
as we would kind of come to know it. He, uh, I do like that he was sort of really obsessed about making the animation look like that old-timey animation from the 40s, mm-hmm. um, and that he really needed it to be his own thing. He tried to sell it to Nickelodeon at first, mm-hmm. I believe, and they said, sure, as long as he got the rights to all of it, mm-hmm. but um, he refused. He said he needed it to be his own project. Probably they wanted all the rights to it because they were afraid of what he would do because he was sort of known as a really dirty animator <laughs> that made a lot of like crazy shit, but um, he ended up uh, getting to sell it to Cartoon Network under the guise of... Oh, Marcus has a shocked expression for, uh, in the midst of are, his... Are we talking about this Danny Antonucci guy? Yeah, he's an uh, Italian guy. He did the Brothers Grunt. Yes, the mm, Brothers Grunt. Which was fantastic. Yeah? It was on MTV. It was really, really weird and really gross. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, really weird, really gross. I loved the Brothers Grunt. Awesome. Yeah, it was in like the like 94, 95. And uh-huh. the Brothers Grunt was uh, that same animator also did a lot of like very memorable MTV interstitials and mm. just like people screaming and like frying their own nipples off. Oh man, now I remember. Yeah, they were always looking for their brother Perry. Mm-hmm. Perry! That's so weird. Yeah. Um, I do want to give shout outs to their first original series, which was called The Moxie Show. Uh, it came just before mm-hmm. this. Um, it oh, was... all of this is separate from the uh, William Street crew uh-huh. that made Space Ghost Coast to Coast and all and, this stuff. And then, of course, Space Ghost as yeah. well. Yeah, but the, the Moxie show I didn't really know much about, but it was voiced by Bobcat Goldthwait, who voiced the dog. <laughs> and it was literally just a show where they would introduce cartoons. So mm-hmm. it was like barely an original series, but it just technically was the first original series on Cartoon Network. And uh, he had a sidekick named Flea, which was a flea, that was voiced by either Pinjolet or Chris Rock, depending <laughs> on the episode. And I watched some of it, and it's really funny. <laughs> like, it's awesome. There's this one clip of Moxie and Roach in a car, and it's just Chris Rock talking to Bobcat Goldthwait, and it's hilarious. And it was for little kids. It was so bizarre. So this is what I wanted to, I kind of wanted to wrap it up on, because after 1996, after the smash success of the uh, cartoon cartoon lineup, uh, Ted Turner's, you know, whatever, Turner Broadcasting, basically just looked at Hanna-Barbera and was like, okay, you're just Cartoon Network Studios now. Mm. Like, uh, Hanna-Barbera is a in-name-only uh, uh, segment of the Cartoon Network Studios uh, machine, and basically all they do is just anytime someone wants to make a commemorative Yogi Bear mug, they have to make the clearance for the rights. <laughs> um, after that fact, Fred uh, Siebert left Hanna-Barbera, left uh, Cartoon Network, and started his own production company where he ended up being uh, greenlighting Adventure Time and uh, a lot of other shows. Dude, and so the modern age God, of animation guy. that we're currently enjoying, stuff like Adventure Time, Bee and Puppy Cat, and Steven Universe, again, still Fred Siebert like, get, has his hands in this. This guy is honestly like a god. Like it's, I never knew his name before, uh, honestly, earlier today. And yep. uh, I, you know, he's he's really responsible for so much of the entertainment that I really not just liked, but defined my identity by mm-hmm. as, as a child. You know, as a, as a kid in high school, as an un- misunderstood, and and it's the thing I'm still complaining about now that I feel like doesn't exist except for in realms like Adult Swim. But really, you don't have that kind of awesome in betweener material that you used to have of like Liquid Television and Ren and Stimpy and stuff, that weird oddball stuff that was just barely suitable for kids that your parents were like, I don't think you should be watching this, but I can't figure out why, mm-hmm. you know? I want that to come back to television, but I really, I guess really you can only find that now in, in pockets online or, or or we're just teaching kids the word fuck 
at mm. a very young age, and we just have to be okay with that. Something something happened in TV production where instead of taking risks on creators, they just like waited for creators to make their shit on the internet and then just co-opted that once it was already popular. Yep. Which mixed results. Um, <laughs> so oh, so let's uh, let's wrap up with the fact that. Mm-hmm. I th- uh, I'm trying to trying to wrap my head around the entire what people consider the golden age of Cartoon Network and what that means. Uh, compared to Nicktoons, Car- Cartoon Network cartoons just had to be funny. They just mm. had to they just had to achieve an aesthetic goal. As opposed to like teaching you something. Yeah, or... Doug always had to learn something. Right. The Rugrats always had to learn something. Uh, Ren Snimpy is just the oddball because John Kay is a literal psychopath. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, this just had to be really, really damn entertaining and fun. Mm-hmm. And um, there was something kind of for everybody, like depending on, you know, I feel like everybody kind of picked sides or, or, or picked, a, picked a show that they really got behind, you the know? The kids that really like co- Courage the Cowardly Dog the best ended up being amazing artists. I don't know what was in the water, <laughs> but like they just dug the mood. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kids who liked Ed and Eddie the best... Real horny. Yeah, very horny. <laughs> very horny. Um, so, yeah, and we'll definitely get to the Space Ghost kind of uh, Adult Swim, all of that stuff That's on a different That's a whole episode. other cast of characters, yep. a whole other bunch of risks. But uh, it was really interesting learning about the real story behind this stuff. And uh, I feel like Nickelodeon had been done to death. Like, the Nickelodeon generation has already navel-gazed enough. And I feel like we're we're of the first wave of people that are looking back at the Cartoon Network shows mm-hmm. with that same critical eye. It's an insane thought uh, how much incredible talent was sort of in one space. Like, a lot of these guys were, like, actually roommates. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, one of those really special moments where there's just so many great talents in one space helping each other and working and that's the other thing is if you look at the at the credit list and everybody's working on each other's show and mm-hmm. everybody's trying to get each other's work off the ground and that's a really special thing and you you need guys like this uh like this this uh Fred guy? Fred Siebert. Fred Siebert. I keep wanting to call him Siegel. I'm going to uh, get 9,000 Twitter messages. It's pronounced Cyber. <laughs> <laughs> you need people like that, you know, to, that know how to cultivate talent. They're almost more important, important than the talent themselves. You can quote me on that. A- everybody out there tried to tell me. I didn't even know. I'm getting, I'm just, I'm angry for no reason again, Jake. Thank you so much for listening to this Thank episode. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this. We're super excited for all the feedback we've been getting and, uh, Honest to God, the future of this show is in your hands, you listening right now. If there's an episode that you think a friend of yours would like or if there's uh, if it's something comes up in conversation, you know, recommend us. Send a link, send a send a send a recommendation. It helps us out more than you could ever know. And we have a master list of episode topics based on your Facebook posts, so continue also to suggest uh topics for the show. We very well will do an episode on that uh based on your suggestion. Uh, so yeah, follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young, and uh, catch me on Twitch, Holdenators Ho, um, and on Twitter I'm at Holdenators, I think. And uh, yeah, thank you so much uh, for listening. Have a good one. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. 
The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.